You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, you're joining me for episode 236 of the Blended Family Podcast. And today I'm going to be talking with you guys about crisis fatigue. We're going to be joined by Dr. Carol Lieberman. She's wonderful and she's got lots of great information. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling so out of sorts lately, so exhausted. You know, days that we feel great, but then other days that we feel so completely wiped out that we can't really do anything and life still feels so strange for us i mean life isn't back to normal yet things are still not fully opened everywhere you go people have on a mask so you're not able to really connect and communicate the way that we want to and i know that for many people school has resumed it has resumed here but we're making another arrangement for the only child that we do have that's in high school, that's left in high school, we're gonna make different arrangements for her because, um, well, she's got some anxiety and she's not able to wear a mask all day and they're not allowing them to take a break. And I know there's some schools that say, okay, you can wear a mask in the door, but then you can take it off. And so everybody is so different and all of the schools are different. And really what I want to know is how are all of you? Because see, I only have a very limited vision of what I see here in America and also what I see just, you know, let's face it, whatever they decide to show us on mainstream media. And we don't really completely know what is going on in everybody's backyard. And I know that there are some people right now in some areas that have been devastated by riots and violence. I can say that I'm in a relatively safe area, but I want to know how you are. And I want to know how it is in other countries besides America. I know I have a big following in Australia, and I want to know how you're doing over there. I'm very interested. So if anybody wants to just shoot me a line and just say, hey, here's what's going on in our neck of the woods. I'd love to know. I'd love to hear about it. I read all of the emails that I get. And you can send anything like that to melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you. But that's why I think you're going to also love to hear from today's guest. Because as we're all feeling so strange right now, we're all suffering from what she calls crisis fatigue. And I think that it's almost becoming normalized for many of us. It's one crisis after another, one tragedy after another, but it wears on all of us after a while. So I think you're really going to enjoy today's chat with Dr. Carol. Last week, if you missed it, we had a great show talking about the Enneagram with Ian Cron, which is a personality typing test, which is amazing. So if you missed that, go back and check it out. He offers some great insight into uh, people around you, really. It's amazing what you can discover by just learning about personality types. And he's got a great book on there. But go check out the show because there's a discount code at the end for you. And then next week, 
We're going to be talking to Jen Lumenlin, who is going to share some tips and really interesting concepts on interest-based learning and homeschooling and just some some different takes on the topic. I know that uh, so many of you are really challenged right now with what exactly do we do, right? Just like I am with my daughter. It's like, I know she can't homeschool because she failed that last year. And I know she's not going to be able to go and deal with some of the issues at school right now. And so it's just very challenging sometimes to decide what is right for you, not necessarily what's right for everybody else, but what's right for you. And it's just even more challenging because we have the blended family thing going on. And we can't make all of those decisions on our own without consulting the other parent. And it's just challenging. And I'm with you. I I may not be going through it with you. My kids are a little bit older, but I feel for you all. And that's why I'm trying to bring some shows to you that might help you with some of this. And so I think you're really going to think that it's it's a very interesting topic, some of the things that we talk about next week. Uh, Please be sure to join the newsletter. I don't spam you. I don't send you a million emails the first few weeks. It's just a way for me to have contact with you just in case because I'm probably going to be doing a new website in the future and I just want to be able to contact everybody to let them know if there's anything changing. Uh, The link for that is blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. And I was on the Prism Parenting podcast this week. You can find her at Prism Parenting. Number 66 was the show that I was on and she is totally awesome. She's actually going to be here on this show in a few weeks because she's a behavioral analyst and she's got some great insight into why kids behave the way they do and how to stop some problematic behavior. But I was on her show as well. So if you want to check that out, that is number 66. And I will add the link in the show notes for you. So you can just click on that. Please support her. Check out the show. And that is really all for you today. I really hope that this interview with Dr. Carol uh, helps you through this challenging time. I know we're not out of the woods yet. And so I'm sending you all so much love and so much support. We are halfway through the year. I know none of us anticipated that it would last this long and it would evolve the way that it has. Um, I'm hopeful that it's going to be over soon, but just, uh, Keep in mind that we're all going through it together and we will get through it together. And I love you guys so much and I'll be back next week. Bye. Carol Lieberman, MD, MPH, is a board-certified Beverly Hills psychiatrist and an award-winning and best-selling author. She was trained at NYU Bellevue and at Anna Freud's London Clinic. She served on the clinical faculty of UCLA's Neuropsychiatric Institute for years. When Dr. Carroll isn't seeing patients or testifying at trials as a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness, she's working as a three-time Emmy-honored TV personality who has appeared on Oprah, The Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, Fox News, HLN, ET, ABC, CBS, NBC, and many, many more. Additionally, Dr. Carol hosts two radio shows and podcasts and travels the world speaking about her books, especially her latest book for children and their parents and teachers, 
Lions and tigers and terrorists, oh my, how to protect your child in a time of terror. Dr. Carroll, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I have so much that I want to discuss with you today, including what's happening all around us, how we can cope, as well as help our kids cope. And we're also going to talk about crisis fatigue. So lots of good stuff. But before we get to all of that, I just want to get to know you just a little bit better. You obviously have quite the bio and you've made a very successful career for yourself. So Carol, tell us a little bit more about you, such as what is a forensic psychiatrist and what really got you into the line of work that you're doing now? Okay. Well, when I was a little girl, once upon a time, uh, eight years old, I read a book about Elizabeth Blackwell, who was the first uh, woman physician in America. She was from England, but um, she became the first American physician. And she uh, worked in a clinic, and it made me decide that I wanted to be a doctor. That was what happened first. Then when I was a teenager, I read Freud's book, Interpretation of Dreams, and that totally uh, connected with me, or I connected with it, and um, I knew that I wanted to be a psychiatrist. And, um, and you know, then uh, I went to medical school. I, I did a, a psychiatry residency at Bellevue and um, was fortunate enough to be able to go to London to study with Anna Freud. This was right before she died and she was pretty amazing. So it kind of came full circle. It also actually came full circle in terms of um, Elizabeth Blackwell because when I came to New York to do my internship in medicine before I did psychiatry residency, uh, I walked into the lobby of the New York infirmary, which was where I was going to do it and did it. uh, And lo and behold, there was a statue of Elizabeth Blackwell in the lobby. Dum dum dum. <laughs> Twilight Zone. <laughs> well, that's amazing. That's amazing. So, what what is a forensic psychiatrist? A forensic psychiatrist is someone who combines psychiatry and the law, uh, predominantly as an expert witness. So, I uh, have been in, in a forensic psychiatrist, expert witness in hundreds of. Uh, civil and criminal cases. So everything from sexual harassment to, uh, you know, to murder and rape and all the exciting criminal stuff. Well, it sounds like a very exciting line of work. And you've obviously seen your share of destructive and hateful acts during this time of your career. So, but I feel like in the last six months, or I should say the first half of 2020, it's been a nonstop circle of one catastrophe after another. And the time we're living in right now feels very scary and uncertain for so many people. I don't think when all of this began at the beginning of the year, back in January, people could have ever imagined what was actually coming for us and what really is still coming every day. And for parents, between worrying about making money and making sure the kids are educated and healthy, it's been a nightmare, to say the least. So, Carol, in your line of work, what kind of issues are you seeing people struggling with mostly right now? Well, you know, first of all, um, when 2020 came, uh, you know, January 1st, people were saying that, um, oh, thank goodness the new year is here. Of course, people do that usually every year, but including 2020. Thank goodness the new year is here. Um, You know, I'm happy to put the old year to bed and this is going to be so much better and so on. You know, we look forward optimistically to the new years. 
And um, it really, so no, no one was, could, it was even dreaming up um, what was about to happen. Of course, if uh, China had been a little more honest and didn't, uh, uh, didn't hide people, you know, the people who wanted to tell us about the coronavirus back in December of 2019, we could have been a little more prepared. But um, people are just feeling overwhelmed for the most part. Uh, you know, it really, because no sooner had we begun to feel like we were getting on top of the coronavirus, um, then the protests and violence and looting and everything came about, which really, in a lot of ways, is scarier than uh, coronavirus. Um, so, so it's it's just overwhelming. Uh, it's, and you know what's interesting is that it isn't so much. I mean, yes, the Wuhan virus or coronavirus can be uh, lethal. You know, we, we we're reminded of that every day by. Uh, television, which, you know, keeps telling us we're all going to die, basically. Um, so we get the numbers every day of the, the new the updated numbers of deaths and so on. But um, what really happened, what really uh, did people in psychologically and even physically was the lockdowns, uh, which are, you know, in some states, of course, continuing today or restarting today. And that is when the number of calls to the suicide hotlines went up. It wasn't just when coronavirus first came. It was when we were locked down to deal with it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's so funny. I had a giggle when you said that about 2020, because that's what we did. We were like, 2020 is our year. This is going to be great. And we were totally blindsided like everybody else. And so um, we, we all had that, you know, oh, hey, it's 2020. It's the year of clear vision. Um, right. But you're, you're right. There's just it's been one thing after another. And you are so right. After the lockdown, I think that's that just took a lot of uh, wind out of everybody's sails. Uh, one of the things that I could tell you that my husband and I are dealing with is extreme fatigue. And we're working less than we were before all of this started because we're not at full capacity right now. Yet we can't seem to find any energy. And at first I was concerned until I realized that everyone around me kind of seems like they're struggling with fatigue too. So I feel like this goes along with the crisis fatigue. And I want to talk about that. So first, can you tell us what is that? What is crisis fatigue? Well, crisis fatigue is our um, physical and psychological reaction to what has been happening to all of these um, episodes of, of coronavirus and the protests and the looting and the, and the rioting and the violence, which really still isn't over. I mean, none of these things are over. There is still coronavirus being spread and there's still the, uh, the violence, the statues that were being torn down and all of that, you know, this, this hasn't uh, gone away. And so after a time, you know, the, the, uh, psyche and the body can um, can rally uh, when there is one crisis, but when there continues to be one thing after the other after the other, we get worn down. So really, the basic feeling or symptom of crisis fatigue is what you just described: feeling overwhelmed and exhausted all of the time. Even if you did have the good fortune to be able to fall asleep in the first place, you still wake up with this sense of exhaustion. 
Yeah. Yeah. No matter what we do, we can't, we can't seem to get any energy. So, um, now, so yeah, I want to go through, through all of these symptoms really, but I want for the listeners to take a listen to this because as Dr. Carroll goes through the symptoms of crisis fatigue, I want you to think not only about yourself, but I want you to think about your spouse and perhaps your children because everyone could be suffering from their own form of crisis fatigue. It might not look like fatigue in everybody. It might, they might have other things going on. And so um, as she goes through these, I want you to think about your family and think about who's dealing with what so that we can help them get through this period of time. Because I've said before, and I really truly believe that until the American election, I believe that the chaos is going to continue and possibly even get worse. And so that's just my personal opinion from what I've seen. And so I want us to be prepared. So Carol, go ahead. I'm going to give you the floor and let you go over the symptoms of crisis fatigue, and hopefully you can give us a solution for them as you go through. Sure. Um, I just want to add one thing, because as you mentioned, you know, this is going to be going up through the election, if not beyond, depending mm-hmm. on, you know, what, what happens. happens. <laughs> um, but, you know, t- today I was just uh, reading about, tweeting about um, this crazy idea that uh, I don't know how these things are getting passed through cities, but this crazy idea, this is another, another uh, crisis, letting out um, criminals, even mm-hmm. violent criminals, from jails and prisons mm-hmm. at a time when they are asking for this other crazy idea of defunding the police. So what does that mean? That means not only, you know, did we have the people in these so-called protests but that really became violent and is still happening in our streets. Um, But now we are going to add to this violent criminals, even murderers. Uh, So what do you, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out if you add murderers to the streets um, and other violent criminals and you have defunded the police so there are fewer police on the streets, you're going to have anarchy. I mean, we already have been seeing anarchy, but now this is just going to be increasing. And, you know, um, I was starting to write and talk about how this is another example of Corona crazy, you know, people who are reacting in crazy, uh, impulsive ways and that don't make any sense. And then I thought to myself, you know, actually, maybe this does make sense because this is these are the same people who want to create anarchy in the streets because of the election, you know, to try to sway the election in a particular way. So, you know, it's, it's uh, crazy like a fox. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, I mean, this is just scary stuff. You just wonder who elected these people who have the power to make these kinds of decisions. Uh, You know, I mean, we all have to take responsibility, but I hope that the American people are going to be paying more attention uh, in the future. Yeah. Um, Okay, getting back to crisis fatigue. So we were saying the first symptom is feeling overwhelmed and exhausted all the time. The second symptom is emotional numbness which is interrupted by random spurts of raw feelings, and those are particularly sadness and anger. Then eating or sleeping too much or too little, which are actually signs of depression. Berating yourself with feelings of failure and guilt because you're not accomplishing as much as you were before the whole pandemic came about. helplessness and a sense that nothing is worth the energy it would take to do it, you know, which I think is part of what's behind why people aren't going out there and and, uh, putting a stop to all this craziness. 
dreams and nightmares that are vivid and disturbing, such as having to fight off wild animals, which are really uh, symbols of things like biting off coronavirus. Mm. Self-destructive behavior from overindulging in food. You know, we're all getting the COVID, I shouldn't say we all, a lot of people, many people are getting the COVID-19, um, 19 pounds, putting on an extra 19 pounds. And, uh, you know, because of, of wanting to have comfort food, com- mm-hmm. trying to comfort ourselves with comfort food. And then some people um, are, of course, using too much, trying to comfort themselves or, or escape by alcohol and drugs. And then also self-destructive behavior in the form of sabotaging your work or your relationships. Pessimism, feeling like there's going to be no end to the chaos and the stress in the world around you. And, you know, I mean, it's pessimism, but when you look around, look at the news, it's, it feels very realistic. And then uh, number nine, fear that you won't be able to survive in the chaos and that you'll die either from COVID-19 or some other medical problem because you were too scared to go to your doctor or um, from getting injured by the rioters and people who are in the streets being violent. And then last but not least, suicidal thoughts because taking control of your own death seems preferable to waiting for the other shoe to drop. So those are some of the symptoms. I say if you have at least three of them, then you're suffering from crisis fatigue. Well, I resonated with many of those. And I also noticed that my fa- which family members are going through some different things than me, because I've seen a little bit of that in everybody in my family, uh, because everyone deals with things in their own way. So that, that was really informative. What are some things we can do to counteract that? Well, first of all, you need to um, be more compassionate towards yourself because, you know, some of us are are blaming ourselves for these various things. And uh, you have to acknowledge that these are very stressful, unusually stressful times and um, to give yourself a break and then to literally take a breath and pause and... um, you know, when you're, if you're not able to go at the usual fast pace 24-7 that you, that you go at, you know, going after your dreams, going after doing more work and all of this when you were operating at a faster speed, you have to, you know, tell yourself it's okay for now because of, of all of these things. You know, everyone is thinking that uh, you know, people don't know what day it is, and so it's blurs day every day. <laughs> yeah. And then... <laughs> And then realize that your number one priority should be to keep yourself and your loved ones physically, physically and mentally healthy um, and everything else the secondary. So in other words, if you can survive this, these crazy things that are going on uh, during 2020 so far, you know, and, and you can help your loved ones to survive, that will be a coup. That will be a big accomplishment. Yeah. Um, Then uh, you need to stop. I mean, one of the things that really uh, promotes this crisis fatigue is the more you watch television and see all these numbers and see and hear the message, the underlying message that we're all going to die, you know, and that really 
is a very powerful force to getting us to feel all the things that I was just talking about as far as symptoms of crisis fatigue. So you have to stop obsessing over it. You don't need to watch. There's really not that much changing from um, one hour to the next. So you don't need to have the television on 24-7. You can check in with it now and again. Then um, also the most important thing is to just keep practicing the basics and not just for now, but these are really things you should be doing all the time, but especially now. And those are eating healthy food, uh, taking vitamins, getting enough sleep and exercise. And yes, you know, it's not easy to do these things um, with what else is going on, but that's because these basics are what make your immune system the healthiest. And so if you can just protect yourself by keeping your immune system healthy, then you have to worry less um, about where, you know, coming across a coronavirus somewhere when you go outside. I'm not saying you shouldn't protect yourself and, and be, you know, take proper precautions, but the main thing, the number one thing is making sure your immune system is healthy. And then one of the biggest things that weaken your immune system is stress. And so you need to make sure that every day you add stress relieving activities. And you've heard about uh, many examples of these from aromatherapy candles to listening to calming music, to putting on dance music in your living room and and, uh, everybody in the family dancing together to taking a walk in nature. And then another thing that is very important, and people are not thinking to do this, but it really um, makes a big difference, and that is adding at least an hour of laughter to your day, whether that's watching cartoons with your kids or watching romantic comedies or um, just going to the Internet and Googling jokes. And, you know, Reader's Digest said it best uh, long ago, laughter is the best medicine. And then social support. We all need social support. So you can, you need to, in fact, um, from the beginning, I've been suggesting people make a list of family and friends who they want to be, stay in contact with. And every day to call or Zoom with at least three of these people. And then volunteer somewhere at least once a week. Now, of course, this may be constrained depending upon where you live, but like a food pantry or a homeless shelter, or even just asking an elderly neighbor what you can get them at the supermarket, or making phone calls from home to raise funds for your favorite charity. And then um, number 10, Get, if you are feeling any of the things that I talked about as far as crisis fatigue, then um, you need to get help from therapists and hotlines, especially if these symptoms have been getting worse, or certainly if you've been having feelings about um, how, you know, you would, how you don't want to live anymore in this crazy world. I mean, a lot of between seeing things on television of the horrible deaths that coronavirus patients have, having to die alone, or um, seeing what is happening to our, our country, those are things that can make people feel like, I don't want to be here in a world that's like this. 
So this, those are just temporary feelings or temporary reaction. Um, and you need to get help because really you can, if you think about it or you have somebody, a therapist to bounce this off on, you will see that life, it is still worth hanging in there and life is not going to be like this forever. That was just really amazing. Great information. You know, one of the best things that you said that I loved, I took a, a, a few things out of there, but um, if you didn't say it, I was. So I'm so glad you said it, is to shut off the TV and the programming that you're watching. We did that. I guess it's been a few months now. We decided I had to get off of social media. That came first. I couldn't take it anymore. Got off of social media. I felt so free and liberated. And then I stopped watching the news. And yes, I will pop it on from time to time. I have to know what's going on in the world, but I don't need to be watching it all day. Because like you said, Dr. Carol, they show the same thing on a loop over and over again. You don't need to watch 10 times how somebody lost their loved one and they're crying. That just feeds to the fear that we're all feeling. And that's what they they want. And so... um, so I'm glad that you said that. And I'm glad you said to laugh more. I, I, you know, since I noticed, since I stopped trying so hard and stopped working so hard and started practicing self-care, I started feeling a whole lot better. So I'm glad that you said that. Uh, Carol, for a moment, I'd like to talk specifically about our children, because everybody in my audience has kids. And soon many of them are going to be faced with going back to school and I say soon in the next couple of weeks, and likely they're going to have some changes that may be uncomfortable or even scary for them, possibly getting their temperature taken upon entering the school or having to wear a mask all day, social distancing, or any other changes that are going to take place this year that they're not used to. So how can we help our kids cope with this as well as keep their fears down? Well, first of all, I hope that um, more... uh, many of the people who um, listen to your show are going to be having these so-called problems of, you know, or, or issues to, to cope with of, of kids going back to school. I mean, it is really important for kids to have the opportunity to go back to school in person mm-hmm. um, rather than Zoom. <laughs> um, Zoom, I mean, I, you know, I treat uh kids and their families, and I have seen firsthand how Zoom does not work for for kids for school. Um, What is happening is that kids are dropping out of school, so to speak. They're not tuning into their classes. Uh, They're not paying, they're not doing the work to the extent that they did when they were actually in person in school and you had to look a teacher in the eye who might then find out that you hadn't read that chapter last night. Um, And they are just losing their enthusiasm for learning. And so people really need to contact their, I mean, if they agree with this, um, they need to contact their, um, the authorities in their neighborhood, you know, the schools, the, um, the school districts, uh, the mayors, people like that, and um, explain how important it is for kids both on a, an educational level but also on a psychological level. Um, school is not only important for, it, for learning, but it's also for socialization. And kids have really, uh, it's, it's been, they have been so affected 
by this. A lot of them uh, feel as though because they've, they've, you know, lost their enthusiasm, they are feeling as they're scared about going back to school because they, they know deep down that they didn't really learn the things they were supposed to learn this past spring. <laughs> and I mean, I recommend that parents um, uh, ask their if ask their schools whether they whether they're going back in Zoom or in person. Um, ask if their kids can repeat the year, because um, it has kids have lost confidence in themselves that because they know that they didn't really learn, um, you know, the the spring semester, whatever was assigned during the spring semester they are have these feelings that like uh oh i don't want i don't want a teacher to call on me i don't want um you know i don't want teachers to count on uh, or assume that i have learned like especially in yeah. things like math um if things where you're supposed to build on what you learned the year before i think it's a lot better for parents to ask um to have their child repeat the year and, you know and and really if schools were uh, smart, they would have whole, they would just make that a um, um, an all-round rule so that kids wouldn't feel ashamed, you know, about being, they wouldn't feel like they're being held back because they're not smart enough. Um, but that isn't happening. In fact, some parents did ask for their children to be, um, to have to repeat the year. And some of them were told that they aren't going to allow that and it has to do with the schools getting financing and so on. I mean, really ridiculous things are controlling what is happening. Mm. But um, but it certainly doesn't hurt to ask because some schools would allow it. Um, but so what can you expect? You can expect some, assuming again that this is in person, you can expect some separation anxiety because kids are used to uh, having parents, being at home with parents and, and siblings and so on, uh, they haven't been apart for such a long time. So there's going to be more separation anxiety than uh, there was in the past. And in older kids, because you know, not just the young kids, but even in older kids, except for maybe high school where they, <laughs> where they would be thrilled <laughs> to, uh, to leave home and, <laughs> and, uh, and join their friends. Then also um, things can be done now, now, you know, separate, you can, you can um, get your kids ready, of course, for this separation anxiety, talk about, well, primarily talk about uh, their feelings, get them to express their feelings before they go back. You know, what are the things that they're worried about um, besides leaving you? What about, uh, are they afraid that they're not going to have any friends anymore? You know, since they've been home for so long and they've been on social media so much, a lot of kids have been bullied on social media and other kids have been made to feel that um, their life hasn't been, even though, you know, many have been in lockdown, um, they have been made to feel that their life isn't as glamorous or fun as their friends because, you know, people put on social media all these cool things, want everybody else to think that they are having uh, the greatest time or getting the greatest gizmos or whatever. Um, so there's that to deal with. Uh, also, a lot of kids have been, unfortunately, uh, spending their time on violent video games. 
and um, violent media of all types have been shown to cause kids, cause adults too, to be more aggressive. So there's that to cope with. I mean, really, video games that aren't violent are okay, but those that are violent are not okay. Um, what else? What other... Um, Let's talk about the masks, Carol. Uh, have you seen any... What, I don't want to get into whether we like the masks or not, because that's a, like a very controversial topic and everyone has a very strong opinion about it. So we can leave opinions out. But uh, what about kids in a mask all day and how they feel about it? Because I know, for instance, my daughter, my youngest is 16 and she freaks out. She has um, anxiety, very high anxiety. And if I have to put the mask on her just to take her to the doctor, she starts sweating and just starts just getting very anxious. And I can't even think of having, forcing her to wear that for all those hours in a day. So talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, there are ways to make masks more palatable. First of all, there are all different kinds of masks. Uh, some are a little more, can cause claustrophobia a little mm -hmm. more than others. Um, you can, you know, so you can make it kind of fun, like picking out and ordering masks that, you know, have your uh, child pick, go shopping online for the masks that they like. And then in school, um, there are lots of fun ways to make masks and draw things on the mask and, you know, make, turn it into a project. Um, it could even be a daily project where you make a new mask every day, you draw on it every day. Um, I mean, yes, I think it, it, it can, um, it can make some people feel some anxiety and it can, um, but you know, when, when kids go to school, yes, they might well be feeling some anxiety or some kids might, or with some masks they might, but when they see their friends and they get caught up in the day and the work and, um, you know, they'll, they can forget about it. They see, and they see their friends in masks too. So it can, it, they, they will adjust. Um, the, I mean, the, the, the thing is that for, it's hard enough to get school districts to open up. So if the price that you have to pay to be able to go in person to school is wearing a mask, that's a small price to have to pay. Right, because we know that they're not going to social distance. That that I know that there are no children that are going to really, I mean, maybe they're used to it a little bit because they've learned from being home all this time. But we know that when we put a bunch of kids together, they're not going to really practice social distancing. I, at least I don't believe they will, watching my kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they're going to want to hug each other right. and all of that. But um, but the most of the schools that are opening up are going to be having desks um, at three or s between three and six feet apart and yeah. facing forward, everybody facing forward. Um, of course, that's how it was when I went to school, not six feet apart, but everybody facing forward, you face the teachers. I don't see that that's a big problem. But um, but so, you know, I think if if where you are for most of the day is um, in this spot, I don't think that's a problem. Plus, there are studies that show that kids are very resistant to getting uh, coronavirus or COVID. Not impossible, but much less susceptible than adults. 
Yes. Um, now they can still transfer it, you know, transmit it to people, um, to adults, but still the percentages of all of this are so low. And when you compare it to what they're missing, um, when you compare it to what they're missing, the, uh, the both educationally and psychologically, um, you know, it's, uh, is worth it is so important to actually be in school in person um and you know another thing that uh is important is that schools are the number one place school teachers and counselors are the number one people who uh see when their kids are having problems i mean aside from parents but see when kids are having problems like you know, maybe they're depressed or they are able to pick out kids who might be being abused physically or sexually or emotionally abused. And then they um, bring help to these kids. And so, um, so when, you know, during this whole lockdown, I mean, it's been for so many months that there are kids being abused um, and they are not, you know, and they have had to stay in this environment for a very long time and not had the opportunity to have teachers or counselors get them help. Wow. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I do think, I mean, I know it's a personal decision. I actually just recorded an episode with somebody else who was an advocate for homeschooling. And, you know, it's a very personal decision. And I think that everyone needs to really not listen to anybody else on that. You really need to do what's best for your own family. But Carol, you've given us so much to think about today and some really great information for us to go through in order to help our families. So I really appreciate this conversation today. It definitely opened up my eyes in a lot of ways. I want to know if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way they can reach you? Well, um, they can go to um, a couple of my websites uh, drcarol.com is my basic website, which is drcarole.com. And then um, terroristtherapist.com. Um, I, I, uh, I was born and bred in New York City. And um, when 9-11 happened, I decided to devote a lot of my work uh, to helping people not only recover from 9-11, and other terrorist attacks, people who were victims of attacks. I mean, really, it's not just the people who were uh, in the Twin Towers who were victims. We all are still suffering from the impact of 9-11 that is still in our brains. And, um, and also helping people to become more resilient with the ongoing threat of terrorism because coronavirus or, not, or no coronavirus, the terrorists have not stopped in their plans to attack us and particularly now they're talking about, you know, where we're distracted with coronavirus. So there, there are still plans afoot. And um, my book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, um, also helps, a big part of it is uh, helping parents and teachers build resilience in kids. So that is just as helpful for today's kids as uh, because of these are we're having we're undergoing terror of a different sort right now, and so it is useful. Uh, there are useful tools to build resilience in today's kids as well. 
Yeah, that is super important. And just as we're recording this, I think it was two days ago, there was the explosion in in Beirut. And then there's been, I think in six different places, there's been fires and things happening. And we don't know yet. We don't know, are they terrorists? Are they attacks? Are they accidents? But I'm leaning towards terrorism because I, I know what's happening everywhere else right now. So this is really important work that you're doing. I thank you for that. And that book is going to be amazing because I think that we really need to set an example for our kids as a model and we need to show them what it's like to be out of fear and the book sounds like a great tool to help us do that so that's amazing uh Dr. Carol before we go is there anything else that you'd like to share with my audience maybe some last words of advice or even encouragement during this time well you know kind of like what I write about in my terrorism book um which by the way the first half is for grown-ups, parents and teachers and counselors and so on. And the second half is a picture book for kids. Um, And each part has uh, how to build resilience. But what I talk about, sort of the bottom line is that just like terrorism is pretty awful, and just like what's happening now in 2020, all these things we've been talking about are pretty awful. The positive side is that it uh, gives us an incentive to build stronger nests. In other words, um, it should encourage parents to pay more attention to doing things, to building your home, to making your home be a really strong nest, to spending more time with your kids, uh, going back to you know dinners and of course breakfast and lunch as well now in lockdown. Uh, time with your kids, really getting your kids to express their feelings about things that are going on in the world, about being bullied by, you know, their friends, whatever, whatever it is that they're feeling. And for to get them to, to really count on you as parents, um, to let them know that whatever is bothering them, that they can talk to you about it, you know, it, 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 coronavirus, um, the riots, terrorism, whatever it is that that they're having thoughts about, feelings about, that that you need to get them to express that in art projects and and all different kinds of ways, and to just know that you are there for them. So really, there is this positive that we have had this opportunity. I mean, as bad as lockdowns are, still, it's an opportunity for parents and kids to build a much stronger connection and much stronger nests. Yeah, that's really great advice. And I think it's funny because with blended families, it's not funny actually, but the thing of it is, is with blended families is that we stepped away from a lot of that because we don't have time. Everything's very chaotic in the blended family. And right now with the quarantine, you're totally right. It's a good opportunity to get back to the basics, get back to what was missing, restructure the blended family the way you want it to, um, and, and bring everybody back in closer. So that's wonderful advice. Dr. Carol, thank you so much for the work you do. And thank you so much for coming on the show today to help the listeners. Well, my pleasure. Listeners, please check out, I will put all of Dr. Carol's links in the show notes for you. Go and check out her websites, get her book, and really she is a wealth of knowledge and information, and I know that it will help your kids. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. 
Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.